Tim, can you guess which Darkwing Duck I played? Uh, the one for uh, the TurboGrafx-16? Yes, it's not a very difficult guess to make, but it is, <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> I, I, play, I played that one as well just the other day. Yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty bad, pretty bad. Mushroom Kingdom, here we come. (laughs) This is episode 257 of Insert Credit, the only video game podcast where straying too long or too far from topic is punished by a horrible buzzer. I'm Alex Jaffe, and the day of the week I most associate with video games is Fridays, because that's typically when I'd get a new one as a kid after school, and then I'd have to wait through the entire Sabbath before I could play it. (laughs) Shoot. Uh, I'm Tim Rogers, and the day of the week I most uh, associate with video games is Sunday, because we rented games on Fridays, and I played them sometimes on Fridays and played them sometimes on Saturdays, though Sunday was always the day where you've got to return the game, and Mm. uh, we would always return it real late at night, so Sunday would be all about waking up early to go to church, uh, whereas Saturday, no, wake up early, right? Friday, come home from school. This is Sunday. You got to wake up early. You get home and it's already earlier than it was uh, when you woke up the previous day. So that was prime time for gaming. (laughs) Just to play the video game until mom says, got to return the game. Give give me that game tape back. Get that game tape out of there. And also there's just uh, nothing says gaming quite like uh, extreme sadness, right? That's true. I mean, we all love the weekend, don't we, folks? Certainly. Right? We love the weekend. Everybody's working for Mm-hmm. When the weekend is about to end, the weekend end, um, there's just absolute crushing sadness because, you know, you got to go to school on Monday and uh, school sucks. You know, I have now haven't been to a school in over 20 years. School sucks, dude. Yeah, it sucks. This is a tough one. I'm, I'm Brandon Sheffield and I seem to vaguely recall there was a day when my mom... Uh, she got home a little later, I think, and so I could play video games for like 15 minutes longer because I only had like a 45-minute window because I, I would get off school at 3 or whatever time it was, but then I had to take a, a bus for an hour and a half to get home. So I would get between like a half hour and an hour to play games before she got home. Oh, so that's why you ended up thinking the Turbo Graphics was pretty good. That's yeah. a joke. I'm just, I'm just messing with you. Yeah, I'm just no, messing um, with you. But I can't remember what day that was. It might have been Wednesday. I don't know. But these days, I associate Saturday, I think, because I have that problem of being slightly intimidated to start a new game because I gotta have like my two hours of onboarding available. Every game's got that on ramp, Jerry. Yeah, and so like a, on a Saturday, I know that I can build the time in to play it and probably play a little bit tomorrow because if i do it on a sunday the possibility that i won't get to the game again until next week is strong which means i don't know it's just a little extra mental barrier because like what if i forget what i was gonna do or whatever so um it's got to be saturday i don't have any of those uh religious affiliations uh even even legacy with the parents so i never had to go to a church or any of those kinds of things or uh, church sucks observe any, <laughs> i know observe any what's it so yeah i just got to i just get to hang out and choose my video game time <laughs> we got a friday a saturday a sunday filling in this week for frank zafaldi after a 207 episode absence is polygon editor-in-chief and one of the four hosts of the besties chris plant is here 
The besties. Brag, but it's the best video game podcast. This one's good. Like, if I wanted like name podcast the second besties, I would probably have <laughs> this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's I don't say that to every podcast that I'm on. I oh, want no. you to know. You, no, you we, can, we pride ourselves on being a solid 7 out of 10 video yeah, you, game podcast. You can be the best one. We call ourselves the only video game podcast, so we can be That's the only correct. one and you can be the best one. It's good. You're, you're like Fresca, right? Where it's like there's That's nothing right. like you and like people who like it, they love it. And That's I right. count myself as somebody who likes it. Both Fresca and your podcast. Sure. Congratulations. You know, the Besties is the one podcast more than any other podcast that I am asked if I listened to specific episodes of all the time. People really? are like, did you listen to this part of this Besties podcast? Because I think you would like it. And it's like, I mean, no, absolutely no offense. I don't listen to any podcasts. I think that's something that all of us on this podcast have said way too many times, except Alex Jaffe. We've all said, I don't listen to podcasts, dude. It's like, uh, you know, we, we're, we're too cool to listen to podcasts, quote unquote. I do listen to the Besties uh, so you that do? I know what not to do. Oh, shoot. Oh, no. Oh, my God, Lord. That was pretty good. I mean, this is a, a live reaction from a, all, the entire <laughs> cast of the besties here. <laughs> uh, there they all are, just completely <laughs> owned. Uh, just, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll be real with you. I'm unshocked anybody recommends our show to you because just different vibes. It's, it's weird. I, mean, it, I, don't, I don't understand it either. I, I like our show. Very different vibes. I, I mean, I, I have no idea what your podcast even is. I just know it's called The Besties. Well, it's just the best podcast. We actually don't do anything. There's no recording, no oh, anything. Oh, that's incredible. We, just, we, we took oh, that, the crown, and then we kept it. That would be the best. It sounds like what the kids want these days, <laughs> that's, right? That's true. So what's your favorite day of the week for playing video games? And this is cheating, but I would say, like, the school day. Because we, uh, we would go over to my friend's house in the morning to get on the bus, and then you got off the bus at the same place, right? Uh-huh. And right. that was the house where they had a basement, like a classic Midwest basement, where mm-hmm. it was like a liminal zone, right? Like you were only allowed in that space if you were under the age of 14. Oh, yeah. And We know, had one of those. It just somehow refilled with Pepsi. And yeah, and that like that's where we played... I mean, everything from, like, General Chaos to Mortal Kombat on Genesis all the way up to, like, the GoldenEye Smash Brothers era. And it was just, Shoot. you know, a yeah. bloodbath, right? We would do that. And then if we got tired of that, we'd go outside and pretend to rollerblade. And then somebody would, like, break a bone. And then we wouldn't be allowed to do anything outside for a few more months and, you know, just repeat over and over again. And now, now kind of the same thing because school day became the work day. And, you know, working in video games, I mean, that's all, all I do. You so know, all you do is, is play video games. All yeah. you do is play video games, right? You don't, There's nothing else. So Yeah, 24-7. You play video <laughs> games, you tighten up the graphics on level three. That's all. That's, you got to tighten up those graphics. <laughs> that's the whole thing. <laughs> well, I'm very happy to say that between the four of us, we have the entire week covered. Yeah, we did it. We oh, did that's it. That's true. Incredible. Congratulations. Here's my first question for you. This one is a choose-your-own-adventure. You're going to have two options for what the topic's going to be. You'll decide amongst yourselves which direction you want to take it. Left. Here we go. Uh, (laughs) Players have been flocking back to Cyberpunk 2077 thanks to the popularity of its Netflix anime series Mm -hmm. to find that most of the bugs have been resolved since they last put it down. Yes. For the next six minutes, we can discuss either of these topics. A, how can game companies draw attention back to their titles after a botched release? Or B, what other video games can be saved by anime? Well, <laughs> well can we talk about A for a second? Because I have a grand yes, conspiracy sir. theory that I've been like dying to get past people. Let's hear it, Jerry. My theory is that botching the game upon release is now part of the marketing cycle. And that is not to say that like a developer goes out and like, you know what I'm going to do? 
I'm going to not make a good game. But, like, I fully expect, this is so conspiracy theory, and it's, like, not true at all. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that as I say it. But I, I expect it. Starfield to come out, and it's going to be, like, part of the marketing cycle is them saying, hey, in two years, we're going to have the comeback story. Because every AAA game has to have the comeback story now. So I think there's like almost a chillness or an expectation of this. So it's like, I think every game is going to be a variation of Cyberpunk. I find it patently ridiculous to believe that people are releasing bad games on purpose. But I know I know that's not exactly what you're saying, but I've seen yeah, people finished. saying that. Unfinished. I have seen people saying on the internet that such and such game is like bad on purpose just so it can be redeemed. I think what you're saying is more in line with the developers now have the the safety net of the redemp- the possible redemption arc to uh, decrease the pressure as they reach up the as yes. they get toward the launch. They're like, "Okay, it's looking inevitable that this thing's going to launch kind of messed up. Uh, how, it, how let's start working on spinning the redemption angle." I would sort of believe that there's a there's probably a, a spin department, a, a, a technical spin director now on, on every video game to try to uh, best engineer a redemption arc in terms of, you know, cold hard video game mechanics and, and bug fixes and such. I would believe that. I, th- I think the, the, the evidence to what you're saying of like nobody would intentionally like they're like day one. You know, we're going to build a calendar because the, the, the bad side is the anthem scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that, that that proves for a fact nobody goes into it planning for this oh yeah because they I weren't able I, to they were they were just not able to fix that right they couldn't pull out no yeah, it was like they, they were they trying to do, do a stunt maneuver and yeah and hit hit ground i just wonder if now marketing teams i guess maybe there's a weird way of putting it is like are almost more chill or they're like hey where we would have put too much heat on you in the past now it's like yeah, you can you can chip the game, and, and we'll figure this I, out. Because I think I think that's still kind of dangerous. An extreme version of we'll fix it in post. I think I think it's yeah. a plan B, personally, because they yeah. I think like yeah. they, they want it to be perfect when it comes out and all that stuff. But they they now do have this kind of uh, redemption arc as a marketing beat that it, is it's a possible it's a possibility potential yeah. In there. yeah. But I also yeah. think that only hotly anticipated AAA games can do this because uh, yes. otherwise. You're just you, you. You can't get those eyeballs back once you lost them. If you're an indie triple A games that are not exactly as hotly anticipated as others uh, don't seem to ever be afforded the same luxury. Like I don't think yeah. Anthem was. So Anthem isn't just bugs. Anthem was just a bad, uh, incomplete, like woefully, woefully incomplete video game. Whereas um, I, I mean, there's games that were never allowed. Uh, never allowed uh, in to the discussion of games with redemption arcs like uh, Assassin's Creed Unity mm-hmm. had some bad bugs on its launch and they were all fixed with remarkable quickness and that game is really good and it is a really good Assassin's Creed game and it has uh, just just like like murderously gorgeous graphics if you're playing it on a modern PC uh, an incredible looking video game that also has some some really good just really good structure and pacing. It's a very good Assassin's Creed game. Very different from the one with the pirate ship, the uh, Black Flag that had come right before it. Very, very different from the Egypt, uh, Greece, Viking trilogy that they they started making of their their larger RPG-style video games. It is the last traditional Assassin's Creed game that was made. Now Ubisoft is entering into some sort of redemption arc for the people who don't like the big sprawling yeah. RPG games. They're now making they're they're touting this next one they're making as a more traditional 
Assassin's Creed game and people are like, yeah, it's been too long and they're they're referencing Assassin's Creed 2 or Assassin's Creed 3 or whatever when they when they talk about their hype for it and it's like Assassin's Creed Unity is just never allowed to be talked about anymore because anytime someone mentions it, anytime I mention it in a stream, I say, oh, I like Assassin's Creed Unity. This reminds me of a thing in Assassin's Creed Unity. Somebody's like, oh, that game sucks, dude. There's the, the glitch with the face where you see the guy's teeth and the eyeballs. And it's like, man, they fixed that. They fixed that before I ever saw it. And I played it pretty close to the launch. So that's a shame. There's an interesting side thing to this, like with the glitch stuff. I, I know you hate glitch videos and things, Tim, but... Like, I just think it's low. That's all. I think it's okay for a man to admit when something is beneath him. You know, as long as we don't do it all the all the time. (laughs) With Starfield and friends, uh, they they just announced Starfield and friends. Yes, they they just announced that they're gonna have two hundred fifty thousand more words or whatever. It's just like this huge bizarre. 250,000 more words, each of them as dry as yes. an entire extra-large beach towel. Yeah. Is that, what, is that how they, they phrased it? Someone was complaining about it, but I was realizing that there's kind of like, there's a bit of a redemption thing for any of this kind of nonsense mm-hmm. in AAA, because if you, if you think about how many words that is, and how many NPCs lot. and branches and weird things that represents, you know there's, there's going to be some nonsense. Oh, is it okay for me to add one thing just because I, I want to clarify? Sure, a point we can, so we can one up evil. this one for you. All right, but watch yourself. Okay, okay, I, prom- I promise, I promise, I promise. I, I, I want to clarify so I don't uh, sound a full evil conspiracy theorist. I think, Brendan, what you're getting at, Vetter says what I was trying to say, which is that as all games and big AAA games kind of become like living games, there's almost no endpoint anyway. So that's true. Yeah. For a game to like come out, it's like they just have to decide like, well, I guess this is how much it, of the game is here now. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows what that looks like. So that's like I guess that's why I say every game has a redemption built into it because there's going to be so much more no matter what. Yeah. They're building the sandwich while you're eating it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also to cap this all off, Cyberpunk 2077 is pretty good. Um thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Question 2. How do you make finding treasure in a video game feel significant and avoid the feeling that you're just collecting trash? Ooh. Treasure? Well, one man's trash is another man's treasure. That's true. Um, I suppose. It's brave. Um, yeah. Trash is only for men is what we've learned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm yeah. not sure what that means. I mean, here's, here's, here's answer number one. Put it behind a waterfall. Uh, that's 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 one way no but a a way to make treasure feel significant and more like trash even if it is trash is to put it either put it somewhere interesting uh like somewhere where as a player you might be like i wonder if there's something over here and then there is then you're like heck yeah i got this piece of crumpled up paper even though i don't care about it uh and then another thing to do is make it narratively significant in just any way like Say uh, Harry from Silent Hill 2 ha- finally has to reach into a toilet and get something out of there. You know, like, uh, I don't know, just like the make it character specific or interesting to them. Like make uh, Kiryu from Yakuza collect a bunch of different necklace medallions <laughs> or something stupid. <laughs> like, I think you can also it just, I don't know, if if the character's into it, The I think the absolute easiest, not easiest. It's actually the hardest way. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I'm going to switch it around. The hardest way, but perhaps best, which is also featured in Yakuza, is to make the rest of the game good enough that you just want to do everything. So like, mm. yeah, I'm going to pick up all these 
locker keys off the ground just because it's more reason to look around Kamurocho and get up on top of the roofs and and use the first person camera even though every time I go to one of those lockers I'm like I'm, I'm never using any of this garbage and I have to like do my inventory management to make sure I have enough slots and send it away to the to the to the box I never use any items in that game like anyway uh mm-hmm. that's what I have to say Okay, goodbye. So make the game good is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, just make it make real a, good. Make a game Brandon likes. Uh, make a game that I like, and then you can do whatever you want. I gotta say that's a bit of a it's a bit of a cop out answer. Uh, though that's okay. It makes hey, sense. I mean, uh, I, I gave you some other answers first. Oh uh, yeah, I, I I'm sure you did. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, there's a I think one way to make uh, getting treasure in video games is pretty good. Is uh uh yeah, have any any y'all played Shadow of the Tomb Raider? Oh, yeah, yeah, Thomas Brady. They, they have mm-hmm. a lot of really neat little optional dungeons with optional puzzles where there's not even any combat, and uh, you're just kind I'm of sure do you like those navigating a big weird puzzle solvy room, and there's some treasures at the end, and it lets you uh, you know change the way your character you just get different outfits or whatever. All of those puzzles are really good, nicely designed puzzles. The one the one time that I realized okay maybe I should get a gaming PC is I really oh, wanted to play yeah. the first. Tomb Raider in that in that Tomb Raider re Redux series there. Oh yeah. And uh only on PC can you turn off the camera shake and the, the like the the camera oh, motion yeah. while moving what? which makes me incredibly <laughs> nauseous because I have a big TV. Yeah, uh, well, so. what, what if what if I told you there's a there's a lot of other stuff you, no, uh, I know, you, I know. you don't even know you can configure it on just a PC. It just made me think. It just made me think about that. Anyway, you would, you would, you would be immediately intoxicated with power if you launched any one of your favorite <laughs> games and realized the, the, the cornucopia of yeah. stuff you could tweak and change. You'd be having a real good time uh, in a few minutes. Those Tomb Raider games are, are host to a bevy of, uh, of, of little tweakables. And uh, I'm going to admit... Um, them performing as well as they do on PC is largely the reason I ended up playing uh, so much of all of them. And also they yeah. were on sale on Steam for like a dollar. I really like those games. I think they're very good, especially the very Shadow Very good, well-made one. games. Yeah, really weird that didn't they, they just sold the IPs? They yeah, just sold. Oops. They sold, they sold Dusex and uh, uh, Avengers and uh, whatever. What, what else? Uh, Tomb Raider and Hitman. Gex. They didn't own Hitman anymore. They sold Gex for what, like a handful of pogs or whatever yeah, yeah. it was, right? Beans. Lord, what a what a disaster! Yeah, that Tomb Raider. Those Tomb Raider games are good. But hey, on the bright side, they're gonna make more uh, blockchain investments with that money. So yeah, it's actually interesting to see that. Uh, well, that's how you uh, make a treasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. how you make a treasure. You yeah. that's you that's put what it on we're the blockchain. put the NFTs in there. See, the reason I didn't bring up the blockchain. Uh, for how to make treasure feel like you're not collecting trash is I I didn't want uh, I just didn't want any more Twitter DMs um, uh, <laughs> yeah, about about blockchain stuff. Somebody offered me I'm gonna say the number I'm gonna say the number out loud. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Somebody offered me one hundred thousand dollars to do an advertisement for their NFT thing in my video wow. in my most recent video. And it was completely unrelated to my video. And I said, "Is that one hundred thousand dollars in uh, in real money in in USD or in NFT?" And he said, "Oh, it's USD." And I was like, "That's interesting. That's a lot of dollars." <laughs> you, know, you know, that's you know, if if you believe in your NFT thing, why not offer me a hundred thousand dollars in that? Right? I mean, isn't that how you make? Oh, <laughs> sorry, Chris. 
No, it's okay. It's okay. It was, it was really good. It was the answer of how to create treasure in general, but nobody will ever know it. So, well, dead. I just want to congratulate everyone on getting through that entire topic without mentioning any games developed by treasure. I was holding uh... myself back, but I knew Tim was going to yell at me if I did it. So I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, here's our third question. Imagine that Valve announces the Orange Box 2, okay. porting three uh-huh. PC-exclusive games to consoles. I'm Not imagining. necessarily developed by Valve, but we'll say they're at least available on Steam. What mm-hmm. would you select to put on the disc? Uh, Portal 1 uh, RTX. Yeah. Which they would, would probably be there. They'd probably put Half-Life Alex on there, right? I mean, oh, yeah. A non-VR version of Half-Life Alex. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good idea. So they would... You know, the version that uh, there's still people out there clamoring for it. I yeah. want to play it. Me too. It's the only Half-Life thing I haven't played. I, I don't want to put something on my face. And then Half-Life 3. Oh, mm. Half-Life 3 would be of the course. other one, yeah. Yeah, I think we God, did it. Half-Life 3. Half-Life <laughs> yeah. 3 is going to be so good. It's going to be great. It's coming out any, any second now. My, my great joke would be Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. Because uh, that's a PC game that is just not really a game on the consoles. You know what would be funny to do would be like put put in uh, that what is it called like quantum conundrum and then oh yeah, oh, yeah. and then like I don't know Counter Strike you know like put put things that are global offensive yeah things that are just like Team adjacent one. to Steam yeah. yeah wait no no it, because it's got to be like the thing that's like Team Fortress um, and that was made by people that worked on it but it isn't Team Fortress whatever if that sort of thing exists could you go the other direction and also put like uh Back for Blood on there yeah oh that yeah, would be very funny exactly Back for Blood would be good you could also put on but that already is on console it is but it's not on the orange box well no i thought the thing was that the orange box was celebrated for being the quote, like you know capital T the oh, console right. port of That's all of right. those games. I forget. The reason you're having trouble coming up with any like marquee PC games off the top of your head is is there really haven't been a whole lot of PC games in the yeah. past. Uh, there haven't been a whole lot of PC games that that console players envy. You know, there's like you got your Crusader Kings, your Crusader Kings 3, you know, all your mouse, your point and clicky video games, right? Yeah, any any German game stuff. that any any game, any Euro game that requires, you know, gargoyling over a, a computer monitor with a mouse and keyboard. Like, there's those games, but, but like, Half-Life, Portal, games like that, those are games envied by the console gamers of the time. Like, why yeah. can't we have this game, right? And it's it's brought uh, on the, the Valve's uh, big old Santa Claus sleigh. They, they brought it in with the orange box. So it's like, there's there's very few of those games now because consoles have... And, you know, I'm going to get beat up uh, by PC, hardcore PC gamers next time I go to Micro Center for this. Uh, though it's like console games kind of won, right? Yeah. Consoles are are the king as far as video games go. You know, because if you click on any tweet by Microsoft, the first reply is PlayStation better. If you click on any tweet by Sony, the first reply is Xbox better. Um, nobody in any of those replies ever even mentions or dares to say PC better. Well, because, no, uh, but those that's because people PC don't... won, right? Because PC gets all of it. It's the silent winner, though. It's the sure. silent winner. We have, we, oh God, we, I'm calling myself a PC guy. I guess I am. Did spend a lot of money on this God darn thing. Um, I've always been a, a, a PC guy in spirit, you know, and recently I'm a PC guy in money as well. So uh, if anybody listening to this has a line on an Asus ROG Strix 
4090, <laughs> please let me know. I'm trying to get one. I, I genuinely need one. My viewers deserve the highest fidelity visuals. That sounds like a joke. It's not. I, I really do need one. You know, last year, two years ago, God, uh, the years the years start coming, you know, etc. Um, two years ago, I said something similar on this show, and uh, I wound up uh, two days later with the 3090 that I was able to purchase at retail. Uh, you know, if you're if you're out there, Mr. Brown, um, and you have a, a 4090, a line on a 4090, please, I will buy it to you from retail price, and thank you endlessly in all my videos forever. Um, what was I saying? You know, you we won. We we in the PC gaming community, we won, right? But what we get, you know, what you get as a PC gamer is you get uh, the better version of a console game. You get the luxury of not having to choose the console game, uh, like uh, the console for a multi-platform game. You're not going to choose Xbox or PlayStation for Assassin's Creed. You're going to just get the PC version, right? So it's th that's all you get. And if it doesn't come out on console, chances are... Uh, it's either going to not come out on, uh, it, it doesn't exist on PC or it just kind of sucks or it's part of this uh, enormous slush pile of lovable indie games. Yeah. Like Perfect Tides. That game rules came out yeah. this year and it's not anywhere, but most games, mm -hmm. I think like that's not on Switch, my guess is because it's an adventure game and it probably would take a little bit of extra work to decide yeah. how they want to port it. The games that rule, like capital R rule on PC that are new and fresh and hot, stuff like Hollow Knight is going to get championed on a console later, yeah. right? And chances are, and this is the hard part, it is a full-time job being a PC gamer who knows about stuff like Hollow Knight before it comes out on Nintendo Switch. Like, it is legit a full-time job to be monitoring Steam and figuring out which of these top 20 best-selling games that you've never that you're just shocked and appalled to find you've never heard of which of these games are uh, actually rule right i got really lucky oh man anyway yeah i can talk about this for a long time the answer is it's 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 uh it's too difficult to answer not enough information is what i would write on the math test here okay so, there you uh, go question four how would you quantify an experience point an experience point mm. Like in life? In life? Yeah. That's a that's one way to take it. So as a child, I first encountered experience points in uh, the electronic role-playing games of Japan, right? You, you all know these. Yeah, yeah. Right? You, ever heard, you ever heard of these ones, right? Right. You've heard of these ones. Um, and uh, those were all inspired directly by Dungeons & Dragons, which I never played, what, because of the, uh, you know, there was a, an epidemic of anti-socialism uh, in my particular life. Uh, we, I, didn't, I didn't hang out with nobody. So I didn't know about those games. So uh, those those games uh, really did an elegant uh, thing with experience points, which is that they just give them to you when you kill a monster and there's monsters everywhere, right? And then when I later yeah. started playing some Western RPGs like Baldur's Gate, it's like, oh, you found the key, 20 experience points for you, traveler, right? And it's like, what? You know, why am I getting experience points for picking something up? And then I thought that was, that kind of rewired my brain and I kind of wondered why there's not more like that. I was just playing Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. The other day, I was smoking The one some... Zelda that I should play, as we all know. I'm going to get to it. Is that the one everybody mm -hmm. says you should play? It is. Uh, I mean, you really should play Link Between Worlds on the Nintendo 3DS is the one I keep telling you to play because it's the most Sega uh, Zelda game ever made. Okay. Um, that, that's my opinion. But, you know, as we know, Brandon uh, doesn't listen to me. He listens oh, to do. the people. He listens to the people who tell him not to listen to me. I, uh, listen I know. To you. I know the score. Uh, <laughs> um, it's a... So you would like Zelda Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, Brandon, because it's so contrary and weird, and it yeah. very much feels like a PC Engine Zelda game. 
Um, actually, the, ironically, PC Engine games, uh, it, it kind of follows logically that PC Engine games are just Zelda, uh, Zelda 2-like uh, games. It's like it must have inspired all of those because it was first. Uh, in 1987, 80, 86, 87. Um, anyway, in that, you get experience points from some monsters, but not others. And if you get hit, you lose experience points. Mind blowing. It's so weird. Only Zelda with a, like a level up system where you kill monsters to get experience. And it has to be the weirdest possible game about it. Long before Shigeru Miyamoto got up on his soapbox about making games grandma would understand, making games that my wife will enjoy, or whatever it is he started saying. Before that, he was he was a weird goblin like anybody who uh, who who worked on any PC Engine game. Yeah, Super Highlight has gives you experience points for every monster that you kill but also um there's good monsters and bad monsters and the only way to know that is if they attack you independently and Mm -hmm. uh, if you kill good monsters Mm -hmm. then you uh like lose experience get the good good ending and like all kinds of weird stuff happens um but i was gonna say that in In my my world we just call good monsters animals by the way oh yeah that's a good one (laughs) in demon school we actually don't have experience points you like study things in school to level up. Ooh. There is nary an experience point to be found. And I was expecting people to like be weird about it or push back about it, but nobody has noticed. Uh, like we showed it at PAX and mm-hmm. at TGS mm-hmm. and like hundreds of people have played it now, but nobody noticed that there wasn't experience points in there. And uh, that's funny and weird. I like it. It rules though. Yeah, it's good. Wishlist Steam in school on Steam today. Yeah, heck yeah. But what is an experience point? It's a it's an indicator of uh something increasing, whether that be your uh your dexterity or your c- capac- carrying capacity. I like the idea of picking up a, a key and you get 20 experience points because Yeah, I love they, that stuff. It's like that was an experience, like pick, picking up a key is doing exactly. something. You, you maybe you learned a little something about where the key goes. Uh, the little text that comes along with it is, is something that you into. I'll tell you something that in real life that feels like experience points. Getting a selfie with Hideo Kojima at like a party and posting it on Instagram and getting 5,000 likes or whatever. <laughs> that that feels like a level up type of thing, though, well, right? Okay. I, let, let, that feels really big. Well, no, it, like a, an experience point to me is like a, a, the smallest possible measurement of human growth. Yeah, mm-hmm. a single experience point. Yeah, what is an experience point? An experience point. So, okay, in in some video games, you know how they they will curve the experience down. Like, an enemy that gives you 10 experience points on level 1 will only give you one experience point on level 10, right? Mm -hmm. I'm doing, like, Paper Mario arithmetic here. What's, like, when I cook my eggs in the morning and I flip Mm -hmm. them correctly, you know, and and they're good, that's, like, one. I'm getting the one experience point because I've done it thousands of times. Right, uh, and it's like maybe I would have gotten a hundred experience points for that in in my early twenties, but now I'm getting like one experience point, and I'm and I because you know anytime you look at something mm. like any kind of rote, uh, memorized, any kind of hygiene task, anything mundane that you do, you look at it, and anytime you take any pride whatsoever in it. I just brushed my teeth without my toothbrush telling me I was pressing too hard. First of all, toothbrushes that talk to you. Uh, no, please. I would say, uh, I absolute no. Thank you to that. Um, uh, though I do have a toothbrush that talks to me. It blinks a little purple light. You know, so you get through the whole two minute toothbrushing, and I feel like I did the coverage correctly because it's twenty every twenty seconds it beeps, and you change it to another side. I go, heck yeah, that's uh, that's an experience point. 
Oh, that's a little too loud. Um, uh, you know, you know that that kind of feels like an experience point. Right? I agree on the on the kind of egg flipping. Oh, just just to 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 finish that up there is is like, I think that really works because when you don't do it then for a month and, the, and then you come back, sometimes it's like, did I ever know how to do this? Like because once once it gets so in your head, mm-hmm. uh, ingrained, then it's like, wait, if when I have to think about this, I can't do it. So, uh, so I think it's, yeah, the, the getting the single experience, you need to keep getting that experience point or else. The, the only thing it. in life that doesn't give you an experience point definitively by this is, this is the perfect definition of uh, the perfect quantification of an experience point. The first time you do it, you level up. And then after that, you level up. It's an immediate level up the first time you do it. And then every subsequent time, zero experience points. Uh, this is my, my riddle. What is that thing? I'm going to tell you it's riding a bike. Right. <laughs> so it's a it's a level up the first time you do it successfully, and then zero every other time, um, such as it were. I love it. Uh, you love it. Wait, hold on. You know who else loves it? I love it. Yeah, there you go. That was that was uh, that was our boy. Our boy loves it as well. That's our, our, our next our, topic. Our co-host, our mascot. There. <laughs> I would like you to design a game based on a White House press conference. I bet you would. Oh. Oh, basically just, you know, it's Samba de Amigo. It's got to use the 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 Dreamcast Maracas controller, uh-huh. right? You're the Maracas holding monkey inside of the head of the, the press conference giver. And uh, you have to shake the Maracas to get them, like, if they're about to reveal the truth, you've got to shake them further away. Or if they're about to make a faux pas or or um, accidentally, like, they're, they're, they're going to call someone in the in the press pit dad or, uh, or something like that you gotta you gotta shake shake them away from from there so you get you keep them on the rhythm of course of their rhetoric and then but then there are these disruptive ones that come in which is like you're, yeah you're about to uh say mom instead of uh madam speaker or something i feel like for me it would be more elite beat agents and that like you're taking something very mundane but making it seem like the most important thing in the world mm-hmm. Like, that's a lot of these press conferences because, like, I mean, when we see press conferences, it's usually because it's something important when we have to care. But a lot of the press conferences are like, it's International Egg Day. Yeah. Like, let's celebrate the eggs. But they have to, it's the White House saying it, so it's, like, big stuff. Yeah. And also, I don't know, something about the choreography of that game also just feels very performative. Actually, that makes me think I would really like... I mean, why, why does it have to always be boring? Why don't, why, why can't they, uh, do their press conference as interpretive dance and stuff? And so like, oh, like Starlight Express. Yeah. So we get them, we get them actually dancing around and doing stuff and they're like performing Xanadu roller skate numbers while they're, uh, and, and like we could be in a, in the future where dance is the highest form of entertainment. And so like the, the, the press conference giver has to, dance convincingly and appropriately and dazzlingly enough and each each subsequent press conference about egg day or whatever has to be better than the last because you got you got to keep the public engaged or else your presidency fails it's basically space channel five uh mostly yeah Um, except here's what i think there's absolutely no way that the, the the white house press secretary in this in this video game should be speaking english because it should be like Charlie Brown language. Oh yeah. Otherwise, everyone playing is going to fall asleep. That's true. Uh, and it's more—it's more fun 
for it to just be nonsense words because uh you know sometimes you know that's what that's that's all it really is you know what i mean mm-hmm. what's be, interesting um, to me is that mm-hmm. all of you so far are coming at this from the perspective of being the press secretary whereas yeah. there's a whole <laughs> option of being the press being a journalist yeah yeah, but then you have to be a bunch of people, or you have to be one specific journalist. And or it could me, be an asynchronous multiplayer sort of situation, or a uh, you know. Well, there was that there was that IGF game that I really liked that was only playable there, and I don't remember what it was called. I think it might they might have showed it a, a couple of other places, but everybody had a laser pointer, mm-hmm. and you were like collectively trying to like. Uh, shepherd these other things around the screen. You were trying to get like this blob over into this blob, but then there would be little thingies that would attack you. And so you'd have to like, like some people would have to go off and attack those other things. And it was played by a hundred people simultaneously with laser pointers on a screen. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty fun. And that's a, some sort of collective thing. So maybe if you're trying to like journalism down a coup or journalism up a coup or whatever, um, it could be something like that. Being that 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 journalist feels like the worst media job on the planet. It does. Yeah. You know, like you just do conferences where you know you're going to get fed bullshit, and then you got, like every week you have to write a pool report. That that seems like. Yeah. I would almost say that the game should be about like whatever else you're doing that isn't your miserable job. Actually, it would it would be interesting to do a game that's like you wake up in a different city, but the hotel room is nearly identical. You eat a nearly identical continental breakfast. You get your press pass, you go in there and then the same thing happens. It'd be like papers, please. Except it's Mm. like the papers (laughs) are the papers that you are writing. It's newspapers, please. Newspapers, please. No, no, it would be called papers. No, thank you. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Papers. I don't think so. Papers pass. Oh yeah. Yeah, All right, I think I think we solved it. Uh, let's take a quick break because I'm getting a little bit of a heat stroke under this blanket I'm recording under, and uh, we'll be right back after we get drinks and whatever. Hello, it's me, Brandon Sheffield. I got a little mid-segment here for you. We talked about packs a little bit during this episode and realized that there was... A little segment from my PAX About Town sequence that I did that didn't make it into the final episode. It was when I was out there and I saw a bunch of people who were uh, representing the Starbucks union and I interviewed them, but it didn't make it into the episode. We had to put it in somewhere, I figured, because it was good and cool. So, here it is. Now you can listen to it. And then after that, you'll get back to your regular scheduled episode okay bye uh uh uh, bye forever (laughs) yeah you've heard that one hello uh we've got the starbucks workers union is that what you're called starbucks workers united yeah starbucks workers united out here in uh in front of pax you're gonna hear this a little bit later but i thought it'd be cool to talk to them about what's going on what they're doing uh you got a little intro for yourself who am i speaking with Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a nine-year Starbucks worker and a union organizer. Cool. Uh, so what are you out here doing? What do you want people to know about? Yeah, we're out here letting people know about the union battle that we're having with Starbucks, um, asking for support, signing our no contract, no coffee pledge, 
and just getting the word out really connecting with customers and the greater community what are your pain points and difficulties right now I see this union busting is disgusting going on over here yeah, I mean, Starbucks is really throwing the entire like union-busting playbook at us right now. Um, they're firing our organizers, they're closing our union stores, and they're refusing to bargain, essentially. They are making no meaningful efforts to bargain, and they're just trying to stall the contract fight out as long as they can, and eventually, you know convince the stores that have certified to decertify so they're <laughs> it's it's easier to say like what they're not doing than what <laughs> yeah. they are yeah uh the um this thing that we're signing is that something that people can sign online as well or is it in person only yeah if you look it up no contract no coffee um you can find it on our starbucks workers united website um or on most social medias as well great and you're are you also associated with the dsa democratic socialists of america I'm not. I just really appreciate their support. They've been doing a really great job of showing up for our workers and helping our actions. Got it. And if you sign up for this, you can find out where uh, pro-union actions may be taking place and things like that? Yep, absolutely. Um, this uh, Signing up for the No Contract, No Coffee pledge will get us your contact information. So when there are actions taking place in your area, like uh, strikes or um, other actions that we might call for, um, you'll get a text or an email, whatever your preferred communication method is, so you'll be the first person to know what's going on with our campaign. Great. Well, thank you very much. Um, I'll leave you there. Bye forever. All right, welcome back to Insert Credit. It's time for us to go into the dirt bag. This is the part of every show where we take a question submitted by one of the patrons to patreon.com slash insertcredit where you can get access to the form, which allows you to submit these questions. Uh, you can get regular bonus episodes and other stuff uh, that uh, you'll just have to subscribe to find out what it is. Uh, our question mm -hmm. this week comes from Mox Bagel, who, instead of asking his own question, has prompted us to return to a previous question we broached on the show. Interesting. Which is, what's the ideal video game to play over dinner? Uh, we still don't have that. Um, yeah. No. Still don't have a dinner. Okay, so I actually have the. I've, I've made new. I, I I've broken new ground on the video game, the dinner video game question, because I, I I've been tackling this as a thing. Mox Bagel, uh, you know, a moderator on the uh, Action Button Discord, Discord.gg slash Action Button, also known as the Goblin Bunker. Uh, nice to hear from you. And uh, good luck. Uh, like uh, so if, like uh, he's he's bringing up this question. Uh, perhaps knowing that uh, that I, I I might have something to report on it or the so here's here's my my new my new ground that I've broken I, I played the the Last of Us remake does anybody know about this game I heard about uh, it yeah. you, you hear about this yeah it's a, a it's part one somehow somehow a the Last of Us part one yeah somehow became a a hot button issue in video games uh, uh much as the developers must have planned uh you know how you know how soon is too soon to remake a game game was nine years old uh, also. Uh, game looks real good. I, I've played the original Last of Us uh, several times uh, prior to uh, several times very recently because uh, I did a video about it and I watched uh, my my only friend Mimsy play all the way through it, um, and she had a very good time. So I, I've I've got very recent experience with the Last of Us, uh, the original remastered on the exact same TV that I played Last of Us Part One on. Game looks beautiful. Uh, the graphical upgrades are undeniable when you're actually looking at them. Um, that's not what I want to talk about, though. The game has fr accessible from the pause menu. Okay, are you ready for this? Accessible from the pause menu 
it has a skip puzzle option. Okay. Do you, uh, does anybody realize how big a deal this is? Uh, if you haven't played yeah. uh, The Last of Us, you uh, you might not know that the puzzles tend to be find a ladder that has that is in some tall grass somewhere, and is this kind of hard to see? Move floating crane, uh, or you know, turn a crank handle, the get on the crate, yeah, and then push push the little girl around on a crate because she's the only one who can stand on the crate, and our big man is too big to pull himself up out of water, so all he can do is. Is swim fully clothed in uh, in what looks to be fine modern Japanese workwear. Um, it just swim across the just tumultuous tides and deliver this girl to a ledge where she will flip a switch. So all of the puzzles are pretty passive, right? Um, there's now a and and they were made fun of at around the time the game came out. I know several critics said the puzzles suck. I am of the mind that the puzzles in The Last of Us are beautiful because that's where you hear a lot of very naturalistic conversation between the main characters they will be talking about stuff and then they will very naturalistically break off in mid-sentence to go oh can you get that thing over there or uh or uh hey can you flip that switch over there or like whatever right and uh it's it's very nice because it feels like you're playing a video game and you're also watching a tv show so the skip puzzle option in the menu you know what it does it just warps you past the puzzle it just gets you up to the trigger volume uh that you enter to get to the next thing i don't like that so, uh, as always, my, my quote-unquote good idea, that would be a, a nightmare to implement by any AAA developer, of course, you know, it's, that's their nightmare, not mine, is just play the puzzle, right? Let me watch the people solve the puzzle. Isn't that the I get it button you've been asking for? It is the I get it button. Yeah, I've been asking for the I get it button now for 13 years. Uh, so, the, the I, I can tell you the exact date if you want. Uh, so, I, I've, been, I've been asking for the I get it button for a long time. And the, the thing about the I get it button in The Last of Us is the puzzles, none of them are, like, it, it's part of the, the game's mission statement toward the idea of naturalism. Uh, it, naturalism is a very, very big component of all the game design, level design, narrative design of The Last of Us. Like, like owing to that mission of naturalism all of the puzzles are i get it button already pressed before the puzzle starts the puzzles are so simple there's nothing to get 99 percent of the time there's no brain mm. twister in the last of us so i'm like just let me watch the puzzle and then i go one further and i'm like i, I want to just watch the combat as well right mm-hmm. just let me watch the combat and then i'm like what if i think and i am predicting right now and this is i don't think i'm wrong Ten years from now, every big budget single player AAA video game, as part of the growing, beautiful, tapestrious suite of accessibility features, every big budget AAA video game is going to have a uh, autoplay combat option, and it's going to—they're going to always involve several decisions. Like Kratos says to his his boy, like, uh, should we go in the back or the front? Uh, that big guy, you see that big guy there? Should I hit him with my axe or do you want to try shooting him with your bow and arrow? Just a quick questionnaire at the beginning of every combat encounter and then you watch, maybe you fail, though usually you succeed. It's gonna it's gonna happen. Don't pity the game designers who have to work on it. My buddy, w- working in, uh, he was working in Korea for a bunch of years, he was like auto battle is gonna come to the west. Mm-hmm. Get ready. And then it did, but o- pretty much only in mobile. But then mobile started to bleed into PC and console with things like Genshin Impacts and stuff. And so, mm-hmm. like, auto combat is for sure, for sure coming. Um, and I do think... I think just strap a couple of choices on it. Yeah. Just load up a couple of little personality tests at the beginning. 
and then let me watch the AAA game. I mean, we know like there's a billion dollar industry uh, uh, revolving around watching people play video games, right? Watching the game play itself. And then, you know, you'd even be watching a guy watch the game play itself. It's going to turn into that. This isn't unrealistic or ridiculous at all. Uh, AAA game designers take note. I know we have a couple people at Naughty Dog listening to this show. Naughty Dog, you just do it, man. I, you're probably working on it already because I know you're all very intelligent individuals over there. If you're not working on it already, sound the alarm, please, please. Because yeah. uh, to be able to watch The Last of Us Part Two over dinner uh, instead of playing it, uh, you know, that, that would probably be the ideal way for like uh, uh, me and my girlfriend to re-experience that game. You know, just so I have another another one of those, which is. I don't know if we mentioned this last time, but the the, the deadly premonition driving sequences. Um, if those could also auto, so that I can hear. Oh yeah, Jeff Kramer talk about whatever movie swear he likes. Um, <laughs> get it? Let's do that one. I like yeah. That. When Rising Star gives me the license, and uh, and I dehomophobicize uh, the first deadly premonition and remake it. That's what I'm gonna do. Heck yeah! Topic seven: Has a plot hole ever ruined a game's story for you? The games don't have stories. So I, I, right I, like, I, I like games that don't have stories, to be perfectly honest. I think I talked enough during the previous one. Let's let somebody else. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll pass this one to somebody else. I, I agree with that in that I, I, I would have to care really deeply yeah. for a plot yeah. to throw me off. And I can, I can count the number of video game stories on my hand that I, I feel like I've cared that much right. about. Well, let's hear what's one of them. Oh, yeah. What's one video game story I mean, you've really cared about? Nier Automata would be like an example of like a recent thing. And that's like, I don't even think what I like about that is the story or the plot because it's the vibe. It's the vibe, right? So even there, it doesn't really make sense. And then if we get out of that, I mean, again, it's it's, it's mostly vibes. Kentucky Route Zero is vibes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think more than more than plot hole. It's like if there's something that like a character was going along and being a certain way and then Mm -hmm it changes and it's clearly like I hear the voice, like a didactic voice of the developer telling me something like philosophizing to me specifically. Yeah. That I, I really don't like that, but that's not a plot hole. Yeah. That, that's a great example because when the philosophy of the game contradicts itself, yeah. I mean, persona is like the classic example, right? Totally. You have mm-hmm. this series. that's entirely about empathy and then you have, a homophobic or transphobic yeah. moments. It's like, wait, what? Like, I thought the whole thing here was that we're like not shitheads. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah, that definitely pulls me out of out of those games. Yeah, I, I, I mean, so there's Persona, and then <laughs> weirdly, it's the perpetual Call of Duty thing. I'm sorry, I'm just like really giving mainstream games here. Oh, do it. But the what is it? Loading screens in Call of Duty. Oh, with the anti-war quotes. <laughs> yeah, where it's like I, oh, I honestly, it would be better if we were all just honest with each other yeah. about what this thing is. But you trying to like have it both ways. Mm-hmm. What, which, what, what are you trying to do? Yeah, Modern Warfare One uh, is one of the few. Uh, entertainment products in existence that almost got away with having it both ways yeah the ludo narrative dissonance debate of like whatever 15 years ago or whatever it was and then there was like the pushback to that where we got stuff like spec ops the line Mm -hmm. where it's like we're aware weirdly that's worse for me yeah yeah Yeah, i i do think it is worse because it's like we made a pretty bad military game but it has a a pretty hacky message yeah and like i would have been more chill with it if it had just been like the club yeah you know? <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's like i don't know you go around and shoot people it's like tony hawk with guns you get yeah like, great that sounds 
wall Killer. running and shooting dudes. I will say, okay, so as for you know, ludonarrative dissonance is a can of can of worms, can of cans of worms, <laughs> right? But it's like in Bioshock, I can't hate to bring up Bioshock, you know, because oh! it's just not the. Uh, it's you know you're you're about to not have fun when somebody brings up Bioshock. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in Bioshock, I, I was hoping we wouldn't go there. I was I was yanked very very hard out of Bioshock, uh, quite famously to my uh, viewership, readership, listenership, uh, whatever all the ships I've got. I was I everybody knows I was yanked very hard out of Bioshock by the fact that I pressed a button to investigate a garbage can and immediately heard a loud, uh, very wet chewing crunching sound as a pop up <laughs> informed me that my guy just ate a bag of potato chips <laughs> and gained plus five health. And I had not yet been in a combat encounter in the game. And uh, that yanked me out of the game. Though that's not what really yanked, but I kept getting yanked further and further out of the game. For example, the audio logs thing really mm -hmm. yanked me out of the game. And I mean, I know it's not a traditional plot hole per se, but I'm sitting around. I have spent now f nigh on 15 years. You know, we talked about Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which came out around the same time as Bioshock. So I've spent nigh on 15 years just kind of considering the person who is sitting at a tape recorder recording themselves talking no. about some of this trash some of this That's stupid flavor text That's nonsense. But it's like they left the they then they then left the recording device on the table, right? Yeah. And then but that is a plot hole. Several right? like because the exactly. plot hole is how could that have happened? Yes. Because yeah. then months later, months later, the society <laughs> crashed, right? Months later, the society fell apart and fell into ruin. That's a plot hole to me that it, that this tape recorder was just sitting on this table in this jazz piano bar or whatever. This will get your brain ticket. Yeah, yeah. Who rewound it? Yeah, who no, rewound it? One of the one of the freakers or whatever they're called. Yeah, the tweakers, the <laughs> twitchers. To just the right spot. Yeah, to just the right spot. Because it's like you know, one might say, "Oh, it's possible that that tape recorder was picked up by one of the the weird uh, uh, sort of Republican hate fantasy uh, drug zombies and and relocated <laughs> elsewhere on the premises." It's like, no, the person on the tape recorder is talking about enjoying. You can hear you can hear a wonderful piano music, and they're looking out the window and enjoying the view and talking about this bar and how they're a lonely woman drinking champagne or whatever it is uh, Ken Levine thinks is realistic. It, it, it And surely enough, the tape recorder is sitting there right in front of a window and a piano and, and all of this stuff. It's like, it wasn't moved. Can I give you a recommendation? I don't even know if this counts towards our time. Well, let's hear it. Oh, we're out of time. Oh, just okay. let's keep going, though. Have you all ever seen the movie Dead and Buried? It's like an 80s horror movie. Heck yeah, I have. Yeah. I yeah I've seen that. Dead and Buried. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I watched it for the first time the other night, and I didn't realize, like, so much of the Sander Cohen shtick is just completely ripping off Dead and Buried. D&B. It's wild. Also, that movie is great. I don't know if anybody's watching the Criterion Collection 80s horror thing. Well, I've been watching the Vampires Collection. Oh, my gosh. It's also great. I, mean, finally I just started One Piece, so I don't have time for anything else. <laughs> Wait, can I finish my joke about Bioshock, though? Yes. Uh, so then, famously, you get to the end of Bioshock, and it is revealed that all along... The voice that has been guiding you, the narrator, is the bad guy, and he has been controlling your movements. In other words, the bad guy <laughs> is you. You are the bad guy. You are controlling the main character, and you are the main character. You rewound the tapes. And why, you know why this is in the biggest, worst plot hole in video game history? Why would I want to play Bioshock?
right? That's, right. <laughs> that's the question. Yeah. So that's a plot hole. That's Very a good. plot hole. Please give me some sound effects. Bingo! One more thing I wanted to mention with this stuff is I've been playing, or I had been playing till my uh, <laughs> till my Game Pass trial ran out. Halo Infinite. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and um, that whole series has forever. I've I've said this on here before that like the less of that lore you give me in Halo, the better. Like I just want to roll around and do Halo stuff, but they're all like, oh, but the ring, and then these guys, the unfettered. What are they called? The unsomethinged. Who who the the unclean, mm. the, the bad guys that kind of look like apes. You know what I'm talking about? Anyway, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. The, the they have all this stuff where they're like, when Jimberly relied upon Aragorn to foie foie, I'm like, oh, man, I don't I don't know what any of this stuff means. I don't care about any of this it stuff. It sounds like you need to just smoke some weed and deal with it. <laughs> like, no offense. Like, that's what Halo's all about, And dude. I do deal with those. But then... It, when I also get audio logs, and those audio logs are like... You can't do audio logs. They're hidden in the middle of combat zones, and like, I'm shooting all these dudes, and I find this audio log, and then someone is like, I was thinking that for, for literally two minutes while, <laughs> while I'm trying to shoot dudes, it's ridiculous. Isn't there just a single button you can tap to turn that off, though? You just say, don't want to hear this. It might could be. Might could be, but I'm I'm in the middle yeah, of. I'm, I'm sure there is. Even even in Bioshock, there was. I'm in the middle of being bad at Halo, so I'm I'm like not really looking for that button. You know, I'm looking for the for the how how to hide and not get shot button. I, I always felt bad for turning off the 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 audio logs in Bioshock, so I never did. I just let them play to their completion and uh, and just fume. Well, I do I do feel guilty about doing it, so. <laughs> I guarantee you, they're at the very least they're worse in Bioshock than they could possibly be just on principle in in Halo. Yes, no, it, so, it is true that they are worse in Bioshock than they are. Oh in Oh my Halo God! Infinite, there's just but, like uh, a guy being like that pipe up there looks pretty weak. <laughs> I'm, I think if it were frozen with an ice plasmid and then shot with a gun, it would shatter. Oh no! I, we should try to fix it. And then it's like there's just a pipe that just glows when you look at it. Yeah, and so you shoot. It's like this. Why are there vending machines selling guns all around this place that's eventually going to fall into ruin? Because it's a it's a because it's a Republican paradise. It's a it's a yeah. Republican paradise. So of course there's It's biting social commentary, Tim. It's a Republican poets paradise. Yeah, there we go. And you know, and you know just Google, We've been Google. spending most of our lives living in a Republican poets paradise. Yeah. <laughs> Google <laughs> Google Republican poets if you want to have a real good He just died. Yeah, he if sure you did. Have a real good uh trip. Yeah. Coolio. I have another question for you. Uh, yeah. This is part of our ongoing investigation and extrapolation vis-a-vis the question, the Citizen Kane of video games. We already <laughs> solved that. Yeah. Uh, so today I'd like to ask you, what is the Avengers endgame of video games? Um, what What is a really popular video game that I have not and will never play? Have not played and will never play. I mean, play. it's Fortnite, right? Like it has to oh, be. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, and, and that's true on all vectors. So yeah, yeah. Th- that is very true. Yeah, I think we we've already solved it. Fortnite's just such a weird thing. It's just absorbed so much. It's, yeah, it's got it's, it's got everything. It's like the figurative Katamari Damashi of video games. And it's so pop culture that you kind of don't need to play it. It's just around. Yeah, it's also like even if you haven't been paying attention, you're kind of like sure. Mm-hmm. It's got okay. that it's got that bedrock of rock solid uh, legacy. 1990s yeah. uh, early 3D engine shooting games in there where it's like there's no way it's not a good game it's just so aesthetically over the top repugnant 
that yeah. uh, I'm not going to touch it. And it's such a multiverse that you're like, yeah, uh, it's got that evolving but very basic narrative that you yeah. can get invested in if you really, really care about it. Yeah, it's just uh, it's kind of hard to get on board if you're not like seven or nine or eight mm-hmm. or twelve or eleven or ten. Or you're like one of those low numbers. Well, that's I, no, that's the whole problem now. Yeah, all, it's all millennials joining it, and now it's like not cool. It, it, we're we're going through the Facebook period. I've seen a lot of millennials uh, on the social medias. I try to stay away from those these days because it, it's brain poison. Um, though I've seen a lot of millennials lately uh, ex- expressing the opinion that Fortnite is actually pretty good. Though I've seen that. Have you have you seen this? They're probably playing it with their kids too, and then they're yeah, like kind of taking it. over it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I've mentioned before how I, I had a the really hilarious moment where my my brother was showing me that he had uh, him and his his son yeah. have Boba have, Fett uh, and have Boba Fett, and then I'm like, what? They don't got the Mandalorian, and here he goes, no, I do. And then there's the Mandalorian, <laughs> and then he's like, oh, I can make him dance the Macarena, and then I'm like, I wish I was uh, doing anything else. <laughs> you know, it was. I, I felt this strange, like wormhole back to age thirteen, where uh, my my <laughs> stuck in Sunday where, school where, kind of feel. Where, where a guy I knew uh, that put the the Sega CD game hook into a, his dad's stereo and plays it. It's like you can hear the music, dude. It sounds exactly like the movie. And I immediately the phrases that came to mind as a, as a thirteen year old were uh, number one. No, it doesn't. Uh, number two, <laughs> you know, I would I would rather be listening to you know anything else, not this. You know, it's like basically it's the modern day version of a kid putting uh, the Sony ImageSoft's uh, hook, the official video game of the movie for Sega CD's CD into a CD player. I actually thought that game did use the official soundtrack. I thought that was one of the selling points of it. No, it's it's a it's a Red Book Audio. Uh, it's a kind of an electronified. I don't believe it's the exact music. I okay. haven't played it as uh, any more recently than about six months ago. Okay. Uh, everybody, get a Mister. Mister, I've got all of the. I got the entire Sega CD library on there, dude. One thing I do want to say in favor of Fortnite is they've got really good character design. Oh, that's not true. That's well, a good joke. Ne- Very good. <laughs> No, I th- I really think like the way they adapt, uh, not like their original characters. Oh, you mean but the, the way, way they, they get adapt the... like the licensed characters? They it's really interesting the way they translate them into that aesthetic. I don't know if I agree that it's interesting. I think the consistency is like a like frightening achievement. Yeah, they put like John I, Wick I, in there. I can't believe humans are able to do it. It feels like a thing only like a super AI could figure yeah, out. Yeah, and soon it will because everything in it looks like it should. Like it yeah. looks like oh yeah. That, it's yeah, one piece or it's been very Fortniteified. Well, yeah, they, like they hit the DreamWorks button on it. They, it's just like they DreamWorks did and put a little smirk on. I it. think it's a little more complicated. Yeah, but that. it's not even like they had to like Nendoroid it, right? Yeah. Like it's not. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely more Nendoroided than uh, than DreamWorksified. Because I mean, I'm thinking like the John Wick when I first saw the John Wick character in there, mm. and it's like, oh, he really does look like Keanu Reeves. He looks like John Wick. He looks like a Fortnite character. And then you know that's cool, right? That's cool, but a, a a buddy of mine made a video game about John Wick. Remember this? Uh, this John uh, Wick John Hex, Hex. strategy yeah. game. Very cool game. And I made a video about this video game when I was working at a at a website uh, called Kotako.com. You know, usually we made videos about tacos, but most of the time I made videos about. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I made tacos. videos about video games. You know, throw the throw the gamers a bone. Um, and all of the comments on this video were like, "Ugh." 
I wish there was a real John Wick video game. It's like, first of all, I don't know, this game's a pretty good video game. And what do you mean by a real John Wick video game? The philosophical discussion goes, they're like, oh, I wish it was a shooter. And then someone invariably goes, well, you know, he's in Fortnite. And I'm like, mm. I, I just felt my entire soul melting down. Because it's like, John Wick is in Fortnite, but man, kids, you can't think of that as a John Wick video game. Like, you can't. Don't let the dream of a John Wick video yeah. game. I can't believe I'm saying this. Don't let the dream of a John Wick video game die because he's in Fortnite. Also, don't ignore a game like John Wick Hex because John Wick is also in Fortnite, which is a he actually shoots guns in there. It's like ah, you know, it's like like my my brain was Super on fire. Smash Brothers is not an Earthbound. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like okay, so also I just want to say for the record, I think um I I've watched all the Marvel movies. Uh, I do it as what I call research. I I aspire to someday be a writer. This is like something I want to try someday, and I think it's it's worth it to understand what all the all the pop culture is. And I think anyone aspiring to be any kind of a writer, you know, know thy enemy and such. You know, uh, you know, Martin Scorsese. You watch Martin Scorsese and Marvel movies, and uh, I actually thought Avengers Endgame was pretty neat. Yeah, it was a pretty neat way to really tie up ten years of movies, and it had shockingly no references to any other future movies in it. Which is why the Marvel movie, the opinion now is that the Marvel movies are kind of mired in, they're kind of lost in a swamp because uh, Avengers Endgame was just a hard stop. You know, they slammed the brakes on the edge of a cliff. They're, they're talking about the cliff for a couple of years now. So I actually thought Avengers Endgame was kind of a neat, uh, a bit of marketing science. Would I recommend that as cinema? Oh, absolutely not. However, uh, from a marketing scientist's uh, the standpoint, if you're, if you're, if you're dual wielding marketing science and uh, fiction writing. There is there is just no better pyramid of Giza of art to study than Avengers Endgame and everything that leads up to it. Having said that, though, is Fortnite the that of video games? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think it's the that. <laughs> but for the for the sake of this argument, I will concede. Uh, Thank you. That's all I've got. Okay. Uh, that means it's time to go on to our lightning round. Uh, this week, we're going back to oh. one of our old favorites. Uh -oh. This is a game called Name Design. I feel like this is the one of our old favorites every single time you say one of our old favorites. Yeah. Just saying. Just throwing that out there. But let's <laughs> let's do it, though. This is a game called Name Design, where mm -hmm. I give you a title of something, and you have to tell me what kind of game that would be based on the title alone. Uh -huh. uh, this week... We're doing all songs by the band Panic at the Disco. Don't know them. I'm going to take a Panic at the Disco song, and you're going to tell me what a game by that title would be. Just to be clear before we get started here, yeah. uh, that's Panic! Exclamation point, and then at the Disco, right? Uh, currently, yes. I believe there was a period in their run where they removed the exclamation mark. Uh, so some of these songs might be from that period. Okay. Uh, so uh, you'll have to uh, imagine whether the exclamation mark is present or not. I just want to warn you because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna freak out if we flip uh, flop back and forth too much. I'm just kidding. Okay. I don't care. Just, uh, <laughs> All right, let's do it. Our first game is I write sins, not tragedies. Okay, sins, not tragedies. Sins, not tragedies. Uh, How old was the person who wrote this song? Just no. I mean, never mind. Forget it. <laughs> Wait, I, I forget what we do in this. Are we designing a game uh, around it, or are we? Yes, you're designing a game based on the title. 
Okay, because I was just going to say Shin Megami Tensei, but now I'm going to say something else. Shin Megami Tensei 2, uh, uh, Innocent Sin. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a game where you play as Shakespeare, and uh, but Shakespeare is now trying to summon demons instead of... The Shakespeare Collective has focused their, their efforts on demon summoning instead of on uh, playwriting. I don't know what the mechanics are. So when you of this say the are. collective, you mean Willie Shakes, but also like Chris Marlowe. Yeah. The, the rest, yeah. Queen Elizabeth. You gotta have a party. So sure. just just to point out, the writers of that song were 20, 19, and 19. Just just saying. Just so you know. <laughs> okay. okay, so Good to know. that makes oh, wow. sense. That that's why I, I assumed it was. I was gonna say it sounds sure, like sure, teenagers sure. wrote that, and uh, I was kind of right. You're an average, right. average, yeah. average age of 19. By point average. to, you know, point whatever, three. Uh, All right, your next title is Impossible Year. Impossible Year. Oh, well, that's just clearly some one of those time loop games everybody yeah, loves. Yeah, it's a time loop game for sure. Yeah. Uh, except, you know, a year is a bit much, you know, whereas Death Loop, for example, is on a much tighter schedule. So a year is a bit much, uh, so it has to be some sort of uh, management. I'm, I'm saying it's a, it's a football management game. It's a, mm. You're managing a soccer team. And uh, it's impossible to win, and it's a time loop. Yeah, and every time you lose, uh, the f- at the end, it, it starts over, and your guys are like, "What?" And it's a leap year, but it's not supposed to be, and so that's why it's an impossible year. And so all of oh. your guys, all of your guys, remember everything that they learned during the previous attempt at winning the championship, uh, and they're like, "I like we, that." How do we have all these experiences? We've faced these guys before. Why is it January third again? Right. Yeah, and then, and then you can you can you can brand it so you can have like Manchester's impossible year and uh, Sheffield's yeah. impossible year, and then at the end it's it's impossible to actually win, and you have to make the decision to uh, to uh, to crash the plane. And, and, <laughs> Why? And, and, then, and then they eat the each other. It's the only way to end oh, the time loop. We got to go on. Uh, okay. The next one is girls, girls, boys. Okay, but it's formatted uh, like girls backslash girls backslash boys. GGB. Okay. It's uh, clearly a, uh, you know, some sort of a folder structure on uh, Windows. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, hmm. it's a game about uh, file management. It's a game about uh, cleaning up your server. You know, it's just a, arranging it's, things. It's just Duck, Duck, Goose, I think. Yeah, girl, girl, boy. Girls, girls, boys. Yeah. I'm not seeing the game in here yet. Chris, you got something? I've, uh, yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I, I think it's like uh, some sort of like romantic text adventure where there's one prom in town Mm -hmm. and there's two girls only private schools and one boys only private school Mm. and now there's a massive competition two girls for every boy right that's right okay i'll accept that next one is and a beach boys theme Mm -hmm. the piano knows something i don't know the piano knows something i don't know isn't that the plot of the end of House? No, it's 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 the audio file that you pick up in Bioshock for with the lady. <laughs> <laughs> the piano knows something I don't know. Probably shouldn't check the piano. Then. <laughs> that's right. The piano has an audio log about uh, that's by a bunch of the Republican hate fantasy drug yeah. zombies, and they're going, "We're gonna kill everyone," ah. and then it's like, "Let's start the revolution." I'm gonna put this in here. Uh, hang on, you got some tape. And then, you know, a bunch of gunshots. I sure hope nobody electrocutes this puddle (laughs) while we all stand in it. (laughs) Yeah, then then that's the piano. The piano knows something that that you don't 
So you, what, you what if it's know. like a typing in the dead type of educational thing for piano? Oh, and it mm. has you get things right. Mm-hmm. It teach like it reveals its story. Oh, I yeah. like that. Yes. Mavis Piano teaches piano. Yeah. Mm. Our next game is Let's Kill Tonight. Okay. Let's kill tonight. Let's kill tonight. Wait, like, yeah, it's a devolver. It's game. just Call of Duty, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was thinking it was like a like a um a, a devolver type type um smash 'em up where there's like you play as a homicidal maniac and you just uh, make blood pixels go everywhere. It would be like at a disco and uh, there'd yeah. be a gunfight. Like there'd be a panic there. There'd be panic. Yeah. It would be a pixel sure. art game. It'd be some uh, Enter the Gungeon, but uh, edgier and louder. Yeah. And uh, and slightly meaner spirited in the mm-hmm. in the name of art. Our next game is Death of a Bachelor. Uh, Death of a Bachelor. All right. It's a game about uh, it's a game about going to college and not uh, not getting a job for like twenty some years. <laughs> <laughs> and just somehow not ever having a job, and then you get rich, and then you get a disease and die. I was thinking it would be about. Uh, you've you've got to you got to murder this guy before he gets married because once he gets married he'll gain ultimate power. It just sounds like a hitman map, to be honest. Yeah, there we go. I mean, it sounds like a a great episode of The Bachelor. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's like a murder mystery episode of The Bachelor where you have to figure out who was the woman who killed the Bachelor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm into it. It's, it's a it's a it's a batch a Bachelor murder mystery. So Bachelor clue. It's a Hitman-like game where you are trying to, uh, you have, like, one hour, and you know that one of the Bachelor contestant women is going to kill the Bachelor, and you have to try to figure it out before Ooh. it happens. And then, I like if, this. If he dies, you have to start over. It's a time loop. <laughs> yeah, time loop. <laughs> Like th- then you got to crush the. I- I'm role playing yeah. the average out of touch video game executive who's just now <laughs> learning about the game uh, Death Loop and Majora's Mask and assumes that they came out like within a few mm. like a few days ago each. Our next game is Build God, then we'll talk. The- okay, this is the best Dreamcast game that never got made. Like finally a sequel to Semen that uses the microphone where you first build a god you can design your own and then it talks to you and is your best friend you can carry it around on your feet. yeah i mean the the easy insert credit answer is uh whatever peter molyneux game got ca- canceled <laughs> next in the 360 era is wait, yeah. wait wait do you think build god then we'll talk is whatever molyneux says to a developer when he gives him an idea he doesn't care yeah, about definitely. he's like you know what build god then we'll talk. yeah that's right that's that's his that's his uh, yes his, it's his directorial it. style. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, all right. This next one I think is the most Tim Rogers of the group. Oh, yeah. Let's uh, see. This game is That Green Gentleman Times Have Changed. <laughs> that Green Gentleman Times Have Changed? What is this band? What kind of music is this band? I've actually never heard um, them, to be honest. Kind of like emo punk. Oh, that's too It's bad. kind of dance punk. Yeah. They, they, well, call I mean, it. they do have the word disco in there. It's just it's like a disco. Going. It's like a disco, except everyone's scared uh, of something that's, yeah. that just very recently happened. Yeah. So the idea of this music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone's terrified <laughs> yeah, of something, something that very recently happened, and yes. that's the kind of music. Okay. That green gentleman. What? Wait, what? That green gentleman, times have changed. That green gentleman, times have changed. Well, I mean, this is another God game. It's like a Doshin the Giant or a black and white. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. you're you're you instead of Doshin the giant, the big yellow giant, it's it's like the jolly green giant, but off brand, and he's wearing a suit, 
and uh, he's just stomping around and you're trying to develop uh, your modern society that no longer has a need for a god. This is the sequel. And it's a time loop. Yeah, and it's, of course there's a time loop. This is the sequel to, uh, I mean, history repeats itself. So uh, we're in a time loop already, Jerry, uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, the green you, gentleman is Earth. Yeah, mm. Earth is that green gentleman. Times have changed. So he's just stomping around. That might around. be what the song is about. I don't know. It could be. So he's just stomping around, and the society is no longer the sort of, uh, you know, the stones and and huts society seen in games like Doshin the Giant or Black and White, and it's instead modern metropolises that no longer have need for a Godzilla-sized creature, um, and you're just trying to uh, you don't want to kill him because you've got millennia of respect for this guy. Uh, you just want to try to deflect him away, tower defense style. Uh, you want to just kind of keep him away from stepping on your stuff because right. he doesn't know what he's doing anymore. The song could also be about weed. Yeah. Oh, that could one. be about weed. That's uh, nine. It's the, the the modern population's green gentleman of choice, as it were. Yeah. yeah. Um, this next one is the most Tim Rogers of the group. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's called Nails for Breakfast, Tax for Snacks. Mm. Nails for Breakfast, Tax for Snacks. Shoot, that's just some sort of uh, some sort of Xbox 360 uh, like Gears of War pretender, you know, like. Uh, like like some sort of Unreal 3 game where somebody played Gears of War and was like, the chainsaw is cool. Let's make another game that has a very power tool-based weapon. So your guy has a big nail gun and your guy's name is like, uh, is like Jack Carpenter or something because the developers yeah. really wanted to, to, to do some tribute to John Carpenter. And uh, instead, their game is just so far off because it was so focus-tested that all uh, John Carpenter influences were burnished off, and it just looks like a Kmart Gears of War. And he's got a nail gun, and it's just got this... Uh, and uh, his his uh, partner is like a guy whose like initials are IRS, and he's like uh, his name is like uh, I don't know what what's a good. Uh, no, his name is Tax, and he gives you snacks. Yeah, yeah. To, so you can keep going, right? Well, well, no. His his initials are IRS, so that he's uh, 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 the tax man. Ah, sure. Oh, All right. Yeah, so his you. initials are. I mean, what 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 would his name be? Like Erwin Reynold Smith or something? Like I don't know. It's terrible. You're just going around and you're you're fighting off just really really bland. Uh, milk toast aliens. An overfocused tested game would not have a name that is as interesting. Well, as... no. In in the the early Xbox 360 era, they could have gotten away with some really stupid names. I guess that's true. They got away with some dumb names. I just none of them are coming to mind. All right. <laughs> this this last one is the most Brandon Sheffield of the group. Oh, hey, that's me. Don't threaten me with a good time. Uh, well, you better not. That's all I have to say about it. You better not, because I won't. I won't engage with it. Um, I, mean, I feel like like a really invasive mobile game that just keeps giving you updates. Yeah, and and uh, it's like asking for your your login information constantly and pop ups to buy things and stuff. You just you didn't notice that you gave it access to your contacts book. Yeah, and it's telling you that if you don't play the game, it's going to start texting your friends, telling them, "Did you know Brandon's not playing our game?" <laughs> and they're yeah. And then people are call you. Oh, I remember that. And then people are gonna tell you, uh, why aren't you playing it, man? I want this thing to stop texting me. And the game is actually pretty good, is the irony here is the game is like the best <laughs> mobile game ever made. And it just gets mad at you when you don't play it. 
Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Oh, that's it. Uh, the end. This is the point where if you want to give any plugs or recommendations to our audiences for ways to fill those empty hours in your lives between releases, uh, now is the time. I say uh, start watching One Piece and you never have to worry about that again. I can't get through the first episode of One Piece. I read a bunch of the manga. That, that's my problem, too. I, I couldn't. I just couldn't watch the show. Yeah, I, I, the, I'm, I'm sure I would get used to it, but... uh, uh the main character is just so shrill. Yes. And it's like, okay, again, read a whole bunch of the manga and I know it's good. Okay. It's just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, my, my, my girlfriend has wanted to watch the show. She's like, we should watch One Piece. And then she's like, I, I watched the first episode of it three times uh, and uh, of both the HD one and the, the original one. And she's fallen asleep like four minutes in every time. So that's why I haven't watched more of that show. But, I mean, that seems cool. It's a cool story, Jerry. Recommendations. Um, first, I just want to uh, share a, a, a little side story of a thing that was interesting to me. Um, so, I was playing Sonic 3 last year or the year before that. Uh, and, and I got to that part in, like, whatever it's called, Casino Night Zone or whatever the, the, the zone is in there. Um, I think Casino Night is... Sonic 2, but whatever. You know the one I'm talking about, the night, nighty time carnival, carnival zones, whatever. Um, and you've got those barrels that you have to move up and down, and everybody gets confused about them, and I got confused about them, and I had to look it up, because it's, if you're not familiar, it's this, it's this barrel that you stand on, and it introduces a new mechanic that is not explained, where you have to hold the down button and then hold the up button in order to move this thing back and forth. And, like, there's a lot of when you look it up on the internet, it's all people being like, what the heck? How do I do this? Because there's no good feedback on it, etc. Anyway, when I played it a couple of years ago, I was like, how is it that I could forget this? Like, this is, uh, this is so frustrating and stupid that I couldn't figure this out and I had to look it up. How, how would I not remember when I looked that up the first time? Or whatever happened the first time I played it, because you wouldn't have looked it up because of the internet not being strong in, in those days. But anywho... I had a realization when I was looking at Sonic Jam differences between the Sonic Jam Sonic games and the, the, the Genesis originals. And this is where I had this revelation because when I recently played it, I played it on the cartridge. And I guess that was actually the first time I'd played the cart because I first played Sonic 3 on the Sonic Jam disc for Saturn. And they removed those barrels entirely from Sonic 3 on the Saturn. And so when I played Sonic 3 two years ago and got confused by the barrels, it's because that was actually the first time I had encountered them. Uh, and that interesting. That kind of blew my mind because I first played it on Saturn. Super weird. Okay, so anyway. You're talking about those up and down moving barrels in the carnival zone? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got stuck 100% hard roadblock on those first time I played Sonic 3. Definitely. And I, I was unable to get past because I didn't know you had to press up and down to make them go up and down. Yeah. They like bounce up and down. Very like monstrous roadblock. Just a real kneecapper. Just yep. kind of just uh, just stops you right I time there. Time outed on those like two lives in a row. Like yeah. trying to figure out what to do there. You got to press up and down, or trying to go around them, or whatever. But it's it's not just press up and down because you start doing it and it yeah, feels like, like it's moving, but you have to hold down for a long time and then hold up for a long time. Yeah, it's it's incredibly bad. And I'll tell you what, so I got stuck at that first time I rented Sonic 3. Um, and then I rented Sonic 3 again, uh, just, you know, to play it, to enjoy it again. And I got past those barrels 
And then you're going to love the the conclusion of this story. I then immediately beat the whole game. Yeah. I just like breezed through the rest, which is weird because, you know, the hardest parts of the game are after that. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like being stuck on those barrels for a period of weeks was enough to uh, boost me, uh, boost my brain into the stratosphere. It's like like sitting under the waterfall in the in the fighting movie montage. Yeah, just uh, visualizing. Yeah. Just visualizing yeah. the rest of the game. So I got some more. Some of the stuff laid in Sonic Three sucks. You got to do that double jump, dash, uh, insta shield attack to hit the final boss. It's uh, really finicky and way too strict. You yeah, know, it was Sega's, definitely a portent of things to come. That's for sure. Sega did not have a Shigeru Miyamoto around for better or for worse. So that sucks. Uh, he wouldn't. Miyamoto wouldn't have let that stand. No, he wouldn't. Have. For better and for worse, I would say definitely yeah. both. Yeah, yeah. Um, Miyamoto would have been like, that's what uh, my wife wouldn't like that. Miyamoto <laughs> did it. say once in an interview that, Classic wife. that he thinks about his wife whenever he's designing video games. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's like, wouldn't my wife like this? It's an interesting twist on the the grandma, the go-to grandma, the straw man well, grandma. Well, he's very old now, so she's definitely someone's grandma. A couple more recommendations here. So a, a long time ago, we, um, I don't know, a few months ago, we talked about how, for all we know, maybe the original Austin Powers was actually funny. Um, oh, man. Wow. That's a, I, I definitely wasn't part of that discussion. No, no, no. It was, it, it, was, <laughs> it was brought up casually by somebody else. And so I went back to check it out and uh, no, it's not. It's it terrible. Blows, and I dude. That movie blows. Watching it. it was awful. Um, and then uh, another thing. It's up there with Robin Hood men in tights, in my opinion. One of those just very quickly pressed the, the no button within the first <laughs> couple minutes. Yeah. Um, So then also, uh, speaking of the 90s, I had not watched any of the Bill and Ted movies because I presumed that they were stupid and I would not like them. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And so now I have watched all three of you, uh, all three of them. And can you guess what my recommendation is? You like them. Number three. No, it's don't watch any of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but number three is, in my opinion, the best one because it's the only one where they uh, do not scream the uh, homophobic f word uh any times in, mm-hmm. in the movie but uh the the first one does have a couple clever like cute moment things where they're like yeah, bringing, a couple little moments in there bringing these guys back f- through time and being like oh if we go in the future and do this for ourselves and then remind ourselves then we'll have this thing right now yeah that's real fun uh, and that part's okay avengers endgame hinges on one of those oh uh, very nice yeah. and then the third one is probably actually the best but the but it's also Wait, which one the second one the third one i, oh, I think I thought is you were, actually yeah. the best. you didn't say anything about the second one which is good because oh yeah i, I said it was I mean, kind of whatever good. is what oh, i said it's, it's good it's good to not say anything about the second one the second one yeah. is just kind of there actually the second one has a good soundtrack that's what i'll say it had the second oh, one yeah. has like a lot of very good original music from like megadeth and um man who else uh, there were there were some really good songs in that one but uh, i would say that the second one's title is the most accurate the bogus it is a bogus journey it is a bogus journey yeah, it's true so who would who would win in a fight between bill and ted wayne and garth and beavis and butthead uh stay tuned uh we'll get to that later someday for the next episode of violence island yeah okay yeah. so those those are my those are my recommendations for now don't watch the austin powers movies don't watch bill and ted uh and also you're just kind of telling people to watch like m- thousands of movies then is yeah. what you're doing by exclusion. Yeah. A diagnosis of exclusion from Dr. Sheffield here today. Uh, is there any movie you've recently watched that you would recommend? There is. Would you like to hear about it? 
Yeah, put it out of there. Of course. Okay. I've probably seen it because I've seen. Uh, I'm just such a brilliantly cultured person, but you actually, you actually audi- may well have seen this one. The, so the audience I, might appreciate. I, on a whim, watched uh, "Mom and Dad Save the World," which oh, wow. is mm. it's like an '80s sci-fi adventure movie that I had never watched because of the title, because I thought it was going to be about oh, like, yeah. children and things. But um, it's about the mom and dad, more like it's about a middle-aged couple going to space and meeting a bunch of like rubber suit monsters and hanging out in a bunch of sets and the bad guys john lovitz and uh it's pretty fun and it's stupid and it's it's like not that good but it's great if you know what i mean it's got that guy from deadwood in it It certainly does i i I know this i've seen this movie (laughs) if you're the kind of person that is like i wish i could watch another reasonable budget 80s 90s sci-fi movie but there aren't any more there's this one wouldn't you probably didn't here's a fun question um that is, uh, I, I have my answer in my head for this, Okay, but um, why not pose this question? Because the fact that it is a question uh, is interesting in itself. Me and my girlfriend are recently watching Stranger Things, right? Mm-hmm. Which uh, I can now say unambiguously, I, I like it. Uh, okay. I, I, I mean, it, it does a whole lot. It pulls real hard to try to get specifically me. Well, you know, a guy yeah. who was a child in the Midwest in the 80s uh, who watched The Goonies and Stand By Me and uh, all the John Carpenter movies and, and Mad Max and all of that stuff. It tries really hard it to get me to like it, uh, that it, it really put me off in the first season, the first time I watched it. But watching it recently with my girlfriend uh, and she enjoyed it and we both kind of thought, oh, it's kind of kind of schlocky. But then by the end of season two, uh, beginning of season three, it's like the more it lets itself just hang out and just turkey based its characters with the situations, the more fun it becomes. And I end up I ended up just genuinely having a good time with it more than any Marvel movie or whatever. Not that comparing stuff, comparing stuff to Marvel movies is the gold standard. So anyway, the question is, my girlfriend has not seen a whole lot of 80s movies. Okay, you Mm -hmm. see where this is going? And she was not aware of most of the references made in this show. She just like, there would be a stylistic reference and I would be sitting there, you know, biting my tongue as it were to not say, oh, that's clearly a reference to this seen in this movie right like i wouldn't be you know i'm not that kind of guy to sit there and just explain the stuff during the show but uh she uh, has expressed an interest in watching some of these 80s movies and in particular it's come down to she wants to watch some john carpenter movies okay okay it is the month of october right now so i'm leaning toward halloween so it's come down to we're going to watch one of these movies probably tomorrow night um should we watch halloween or should we watch the thing if you have yeah. never, if you've seen almost no '80s movies, the answer is yes. Uh, yeah, I know the answer is yes. But like, if we have to choose one to watch tomorrow, which would you choose? If you're trying to get a person who hasn't seen any '80s horror horror movies at all, Halloween or The it, Thing? Yeah, my my mm. own self. It's just an, an an eternal question here. Everyone is welcome to answer. My own self, I would say, I would say The Thing because, okay. and the reason I would do that is because I feel that. It is more of it's it's more generous as a movie. It's got more things oh, yeah. to, to grab hold of. Yeah. If if there's an aspect of Halloween that you don't like, you're you're pretty hosed. Like that's yeah, that's that's kind of it. Like Halloween has a lot of great stuff. It's got all those like middle aged women in high school kind of vibe yeah. uh, deal going on, which I which I love. 
Um, it's, yeah. it's, uh, but it's, it's got the whole stalkery thing and, and, and the weird graininess and grittiness. But, uh, the thing has, has like a whole mind adventure going. Oh, yeah. So I, I would go for the thing personally. Yeah. So I was, I, w- I said I was leaning toward Halloween, but only because it's October, the month of Halloween. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm also going for the thing as well. Chris Plant, what would you say? The thing is also 30 minutes longer than Halloween. I just want to point True. out. So that's one yeah, that thing. that is a chuffle. I agree that Halloween has the benefit of just tis the season mm-hmm. and also feels more in line with like, if you're trying to like be like, hey, this is what Stranger Things is doing, right? Then I think it's like pretty clearly Halloween. I don't think there's going to be a lot of overlap. I know there's all the weird alien, not alien, but other world goo, but I don't know. The thing feels like a very different thing. Yeah, it definitely doesn't have any. Can I offer a... An alt? No, let's hear the alt. Prince of Darkness. Oh, Prince mm. of Darkness is <laughs> Prince of Darkness is legit. That's on my reading list for right now for a project I'm working on. Yeah, that, for me, that's like some of the most fun John Carpenter. Yeah, like the the problem with introducing John Carpenter to somebody now and starting with the the ones that everybody knows is like it's kind of the John Carter at Mars dilemma. Yeah. Oh, wait, I'm already so familiar with this that even though I've never seen it, I feel like I've seen it a hundred times. I love John Carter, dude. Uh, yeah. I love Disney's John Carter. Just throwing that out there. Anyway, please continue. What, what if you uh, What if you went with Starman? It would be weird, but like- Starman's <laughs> a weird one. Starman is like, yeah. I feel like visu- there are a lot of visual- t- I mean, okay, I only watched the first season of Stranger Things because I felt like- Big I'd Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble in Little China is like an, 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 a, an example of a John Carpenter movie that is famous that you could show someone and it doesn't necessarily- No, there's nothing like it. It's not, yeah, it's not like a treasure trove of reference- of of pseudo references I'll to stuff that right now. like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Big Trouble in Little China is pretty legit. Was that any any time of day? Yeah. Yeah, it's just not really a horror movie. It's, it's like not, that's no. more of an action movie. Yeah. Um same with even like, like they uh, live. Escape from New York. Yeah, like, Escape from New yeah, York. Prince of Darkness I feel like is like that's just a good movie to hang out with. Like yeah. it's just it's like super fun. God, it's so good. It's shockingly, shockingly entertaining. Yeah, it's one of the underrated. It has a fifty-eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That makes no which is, which is uh, that's sense. that's about what you want though. There, there was so yeah, oh you know, for sure, it, but that's a crime. It does make sense. There, there was an era of time when no mainstream critic would dare be seen enjoying a lowbrow action movie in public. Whereas now we've got this whole generation, this burgeoning swell of critics who are about my age now who loved that stuff. I remember Army of Darkness getting like half a star from the the, the hoity-toity local Indianapolis star movie critic and just being derided as utter trash and me and my big brother reading the re- the review and being like yeah dude we're gonna watch this and we were just loving the fact that it was getting half a star and we went to see it and we were freaking out and we were loving it quoting that movie for years right i mean that's that's the david lynch thing right mm-hmm. like didn't david lynch advertise like two thumbs down yeah when it it's like yeah of course that that's a great reason to get yeah seen. nobody nobody comes for david lynch now they all everyone respects that dude yeah. Speaking of uh, Prince Prince of Darkness and Big Trouble in Little China, it, it it continues to be weird to me that Dennis Dunn didn't really have a career. Um, yeah, interesting. That dude was so cool, and and I like I saw him in Big Trouble in Little China first, uh, just like as a youth watching it on the the TV because it would just we had a channel called KOFY TV twenty that would Kofi Coffee after the 
like cable circuit or whatever the whatever movies would bleed down onto kofy and i watched big trouble in little china there and i saw it like two or three times and recorded it to vhs from there and and i was like dennis dunn's the coolest man ever can't wait to watch more of his movies and then like, he was he was in prince of darkness uh and i forget if that was before or after and then he was in um the like warriors of zoo or whatever the like the one with the kangaroos you know what i'm talking about yeah i know that one that TMNT yeah. kangaroos movie, he was in that, and then that was it. hilarious. Then he was gone from the from the universe. Do you want to know what the Apple TV's uh, list of related movies are for Prince of Darkness? You ready for yeah, this? Yeah, sure. Are you ready for a real uh, hit parade here? The Hollow Man, Altered States, <laughs> The Exorcist 3, In the Mouth of Madness, The Shining, <laughs> Videodrome, The Omen, Evil Dead 2, John Carpenter's The Fog, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, which one? The, the original one? or the... the original one? Oh. The original. Oh, wow. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, wait. No, it is the 70s one. Yes. Nice. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, uh, The Wicker Man and Event Horizon. Uh, the original one and yeah, Event Horizon. And Nicolas Cage, The Color Out of Space. Wait, it keeps going. Honestly, just hit play and let it just... Just let all these roll. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's like a solid... I'm going to watch The Color Out of Space with a friend later. Um, oh, yeah, I want to watch I that. I have some recommendations for everybody. Wait, uh, at this point. Oh, wait, wait. Can it? I just make one more quick uh, recommendation? I've continued watching Star Trek Discovery, and I still love it. Every time I bring it up on this podcast or during a stream, I get like eight guys going like, yeah, uh, I hear you're watching Star Trek Discovery. Uh, you might want to stop, though, dude. And it's like, I still, you might want to stop before you, it gets bad. And it's like, I still like it. I still think Michelle Yeoh's hilarious in it. She's never been quite so, she's very funny in this show uh that's number one number two nobody told me god darn david cronenberg is a character in star trek discovery he plays a character <laughs> who's like an a version of himself it's very incredible i didn't know this nobody told me that i didn't know that either if you didn't know david cronenberg is an actor on star trek discovery it's a uh, it's quite it's later in the series but uh I, I don't know, man. I, I'm still having a good time with that. That It's a ridiculously stupid JRPG of a show. And uh, nobody can also tell me I don't know anything about Star Trek uh, because I've watched a lot of Star Trek Next Generation and original series at this point. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting as an alternate perspective. So, you know, if you want to see David Cronenberg be weird and you want to see Michelle Yeoh be really weird, check that show out. Just with Color Out of Space, we, which we've mentioned a couple times on here, let's let's just remember that Richard Stanley is is unfortunately it turns out not very good. So uh, let's not pay any money for it. And then the other thing is that Chris Plant needs to go and do and do recommendations. Oh yeah, I mean my recommendation thing very simple: boutique streaming services. Everybody should try to use them. Fandango. Maybe use them instead of other. Like things. which one? Which one are you talking about? Which one are you like? Like. I think everybody would be happier if they were using Shudder or Criterion Channel or mm -hmm. Crunchyroll. I mean, some of these are large, but like I, over the last year, have largely changed my media diet to just that. Oh, yeah. And it's amazing how you find yourself saying, oh, I really watched something cool last night versus like, ugh, I watched like the eighth episode of this thing that I'm not really enjoying. You want to know what's real fun is getting off all the social media. Getting yourself a Criterion channel uh, subscription, and instead of being on social media, have a buddy who has the Criterion channel, and when they do their monthly playlist of stuff, just uh, you text your buddy about uh, uh, how many of them vampire films you've seen yet. Oh, I'm on number eight. I'm on number nine. Yeah. That's a real good time. Just book club your way through 
Criterion's monthly playlists. Uh, man, that is okay. So, did you just recently watch Prince of Darkness, Chris Plant? Well, I mean, I, I, I've, I've seen it a couple times, but I, I, yeah. Yeah, but ha- did you recently watch it again? Now, the last time I watched it was, I don't know, probably about six months ago. Oh, but okay. But now that it's on, it's on, so yeah, for what you're It's, it's on is, the 80s horror playlist in Criterion Collection. Yes. Is that where you watch Dead and Buried? Sorry to keep talking That's right, about it. That is yeah, where okay, I watched yeah, Dead yeah, and Buried me too. for the first time. Me too, dude. It's, Guys, I need to close this podcast. I'm so uh, sorry. Okay. We, oh, we please, really please, please, need yeah, to go. go, go, go I'm go. dying right now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. I'd like to say if you're listening to the show in some format where you can subscribe to a review podcast, please, please do that. It's always very appreciated. I read all the reviews and they really lift my spirits. You can go to patreon.com slash insert credit where you could become a patron to submit your own topics and listen to monthly bonus episodes and tell you what, if you send me a receipt that you've upgraded or are a new donor on Twitter at Alex Jaffe, then maybe I'll read your dumb quote uh, on a future episode. You can join our community at forums.insertcredit.com where they're putting together some kind of insert credit Smash Brothers roster right now. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at insert credit, search for insert credit on YouTube. Uh, You can wishlist Hyper Gunsport and Demon School on Steam by Necrosoft. Listen to Frank Zafaldi's podcast, The Video Game History Hour. Uh, This show is edited by Esper Quinn with original music by Kurt Feldman. I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Tim Rogers. I'm Brandon Sheffield. I'm Chris Plant. And is a man not entitled to the sweat of his brow. Is a man not? Is that because you're under the blanket? Yeah, that's that's because I'm under the I'm blanket. Gonna, I'm gonna hit stop on recording so that you don't die. Yes, thank you. Ah. Uh.